The world is changing at dizzying speeds. It's changing all around us, whether we like it or not, agree with it or not, participate in it or not, it's changing. It's revolutionary. It's based on ideas. It's based on words. It's based on the power to change one another's thinking and perceptions through influence. What is the influence that's changing your life today? What are the ten influences that affected you most this week? If you were to take notes now, and I see many of you are taking notes electronically. If you were to think about it for a moment, what are the ten biggest influences that shaped your life this week? What are the ten biggest influences that shaped your life? Are you aware of them? What are the five biggest influences? Who are the biggest influences in your life? What shaped your thinking, consciously or unconsciously, this week? Are you aware? Are you awake? Are you with me? Do you have your fluvogs on? We're in Vancouver. What makes the world go round today? What shapes us? What are we conscious of or unconscious of? What is the promise and the potential of social media? What are the dangers? What are the risks? What we want to talk about for a few minutes this morning is the power of influence to change us and to be changed. Are you a change agent? Who have you influenced this week? Knowingly or unknowingly, by your words and actions, you've changed the world around you. You've influenced and been influenced all the time, every day, whether you're conscious of it or not. Of course, it's much easier to influence people that are living at a subpar, subconscious, sub-aware level. And in my estimation, not as a sociologist or a psychologist or anything but someone who has observed other human beings and their behavior, most people are generally asleep. There's something about them that isn't fully aware, fully conscious. They're tired, they're weary, they're hurting, they're aching. There's something interfering with their ability to be optimal, fully awake, fully alive. How do we become fully awake, fully alive? What's your definition of being fully awake and fully alive? Don't take my word for it. What's your definition of being fully awake as a human being, fully optimized to reach your potential, fully engaged to explore all the possibilities in the relationships around you, fully human, fully alive? Is there anybody that's fully human and fully alive? What is it about this world that is both beautiful and broken? You can't deny the fact that the sunrise this morning over the mountains or wherever you were, if you had a chance, if you're looking at photons that are coming through these windows now that have come from a, a solar furnace 93, billion miles, 93 million miles away and at, eight and a half, at the speed of light at 186,000 miles per second, it still takes eight and a half minutes to reach your eye, and then you're processing information. You see me. You see people around you. You see the images on a screen because of the extraordinary, mysterious power of the eye, the, the receptors you have, the rods and cones that comprise your eye, your sight, your retina. It is the most sophisticated instrument. What an extraordinary possibility. You opened your eyes this morning to a miracle. And you're surrounded by mysteries, things you don't fully understand. The most educated person amongst us isn't fully aware of exactly how many times their heart is going to beat in the course of a day or what keeps it going, nor can they ultimately fully control it. You are a product 
of something beyond your own imagination, something beyond your own creation. You've been given a gift. Now, the great debate in our societies today is essentially, is that an accident? Time plus chance plus matter? Or are you a special creation in the intelligence, in the mind, in the purpose of a creator? That's, the, that's possibly the first and great debate in our highest institutions of academic learning and inquiry. What are we debating? On a certain level, we're debating the idea that life has any meaning at all. And if it doesn't, what's the point of being here or anywhere? You're nothing more than a biomechanical device responding to a stimulus. That's it. And if you assign your reaction to that stimulus something that's philosophic or, 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 or pleasurable or aesthetically compelling, good for you. That's existentialism. That's the power of your ability to create meaning for your own life. But the flip side of that equation, the other point of view, the historic point of view that's been given to us, delivered us through a history of revelation and power and manifestation of truth and its power to transform lives from God's word. Listen, I'm not a theologian. I'm somebody who was changed by this. I couldn't have dreamt of being up here talking about this stuff or talking to audience. I could have cared less. But something transformed me, and you would have to know who I was to understand how extraordinary this miracle that I'm talking about this at all, that I'm interested in this, that I want to know more and more about the creator of this extraordinary library. Library. The Bible, you're carrying a library around. This isn't one, this is 66 books, 48 authors. 15 centuries of continuity, of purpose, of meaning, of poetry, of art, of design, of life and death, of fighting, of heroism, of failure, of cowardice, of redemption. The string that winds the whole thing that binds this book together is the red thread. It's the thread of God's redemptive presence and power in our lives. It's a message from on high, it's a mystery. It's admittedly a mystery, but it's not one that is unattainable. It's a story. You're living a story. How's it going? Do you really have any concept? This, this is simply proving my point that people are living at a suboptimal, subpar, subconscious, subaware level generally. We're reacting. And the power of what you see through social media is the force of compelling more and more reaction, more and more influence. What is influence? You all have it and you all receive it. What is influence? I'm going to start picking on people and have you come up and talk with me. (laughs) Be ready. (laughs) Influence is the... Influence is the same root word as influenza. Hey, I can wander around now because we're not on camera. (laughs) That's pretty cool. That was hard. Uh, Influence is the same root word as influenza. What is influenza? Somebody, anybody. It's a virus. And in, in the sense that it's a virus, what can it do to us or for us? You can catch it. And you can spread it. So if that's what influenza is, 
then think of influence. You can catch it and spread it. It's good or bad, but it can be chronic. And everyone in this world, in this beautiful but broken world, is suffering from a kind of influenza. But it's worse than that. It's fatal. They're suffering from soul death, spirit death. If you're a body, soul, and spirit, and if your soul is comprised of your mind, will, and emotions, where's the battle going on for your attention? Who's trying to get your influence? Who sees you as nothing more than a biomechanical device that will spend money and support their interests? Who sees you as a political pawn on the chessboard of power? Who sees you as someone who will not go further in looking at things closely, examine things in detail, or seek the truth? Who's depending on that? Historically, statist powers. Historically, someone somewhere is always counting on the fact that you will live less than a fully aware, fully free, fully engaged fully truthful, fully liberated life in Christ. Someone's counting on you to live for less. What are you really living for today? What really matters most to you today? Why are you here today? What did you expect to get from this building that you couldn't get from other buildings or places in Vancouver or other cities around the world today? Maybe it's hope. Maybe it's the... Get somebody to stop annoying you and saying, please come to church with me. <laughs> I've been that person. Look, somebody has to care a lot about you to invite you to do something that they feel deeply about, especially on a Sunday morning. Why? We reckon it's our right and privilege and our sense of entitlement kicks in that I need to sleep in. I've had such a busy week. I can't possibly get up and do something like go to a religious service. I wouldn't either if that's all it is. But what if there's power to be transformed? What if there's one scintilla of truth here? What if there's something that will awaken your consciousness, that will awaken your soul, that will revive your spirit, that will cause your body to start dancing, that will change your whole life because you heard something and you acted on it in faith? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would please God must be believed that he exists. Many people believe God exists. And that he is a rewarder. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Do you seek God? Be honest with you. I don't care if you're honest with me. Well, sure I do. But be honest with yourself above all. Because that's where dishonesty will betray you. Are you even honest with yourself? What are you running from? What are the fears you can't bring yourself to confront? What are the failures and frustrations that keep you from feeling as though you could be complete? What do you want from your life? You've got to think about these things if you're going to understand how you're being influenced and manipulated every day in this world. Your, your soul, your personality is being disintegrated. It's being fragmented by the power of the many tools and impressionistic platforms that surround us every day. It takes work to pull it together. Who am I? As opposed to someone who's simply reacting to everything you see, every message, every piece of advertising, every piece of commerce, every piece of propaganda... 
that surrounds you? What is it you really believe about yourself? Who are you? I don't know a greater source. I don't know a higher standard. I don't know a more reliable place to go for that definition and that understanding than the one library of collected wisdom and experience and insight and prophetic understanding of human life that is reposed in these pages. If you've got a better source, I'm all about it. Please raise your hand right now if you know a better source of information than this. And how many of you are even willing to devote yourselves to learning what's in here? This is anything but a dry, dusty tome to be ignored or put on a shelf where historical events in your family are recorded from time to time. This are the, this, these are the words of life. This is, this, this is better than any vitamin-packed nutritional supplement you can imagine. It's the manufacturer's handbook. You got problems running your life or your relationships or your business or your understanding of what's going on around you? Talk to the creator. The manufacturer's handbook has some phenomenal insights. You will find that an automobile runs better on petrol than maple syrup. Maple syrup tastes great, but I don't, I don't know how many miles per gallon I get on a gallon of maple syrup in my car. But you're not going to go very far if you don't understand what makes you tick. Social media and the world we're living in today is trying to redefine us all the time. To give us ideas and impressions and we're so overwhelmed by them. You're seeing on, an, on any given day at least, this is an old figure now, they keep changing and revising. But you're seeing tens of thousands, we used to say 60,000 printed impressions now it's far more than that. So many, so many images are passing through your eyes, your receptors. Remember those rods and cones. You're seeing things all the time faster than you can collate them, process them, categorize them, think about them, respond to them, understand them. But I promise you this, they are influencing you. So do you want to be influenced and not know what you're being influenced by? Or do you want to know what you're being influenced by? And do you want to be a change agent to influence others? What is your purpose in life? Do you hope to bring something good to someone, somewhere, any place, any time, every day, for the rest of your life? It's entirely possible. But you can't simply be blown about back and forth by every wind of ideas, impressions, manifestos, doctrines. You'd better know what you believe and why you believe it, and that will take some time and thought and reflection and digging in. Can you dig? You're going to have to dig in. Study to show thyself approved. Get in the Word. Get the Word in you. Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. It's all in here. It's rich. You want to be rich? Get one of these. You can't get these at the Hermes shop or you can't get these at the luxury goods shop. I haven't seen one yet. But you can get these for free. And they'll set you free. The words, the ideas, the power of the gospel. That's why it's the gospel. It's the good news. Do you know what the bad news is? The good news won't mean but you're not even jumping out of your seats yet. I can't believe it. It might be because you haven't thought about the bad news. What's the bad news if that's the good news? 
What's the bad news? Anybody know what the bad news is? That there's war, famine, crisis. Listen, that's nothing but a manifestation of the brokenness in our own souls, of our spiritual death. Think about it this way. If we've been created by a creator who's given us free will, and you have a choice in everything you do, every place you go, sure, there's a repository of reactions in you, and you have certain instincts and and, and ideas about things that generally cause you to tend to go and respond one way or another. I understand that. But think to the extent that you have a free will and a moral conscience. If that's not true, then I'm wasting my time, and so are you. You should go out and do something that pleases you instantly. But if it's true that you have a moral conscience and you have a responsibility to respond to that, to develop as a spiritual being, that through your mind, will, and emotions, you develop spiritually. Listen, is this true or isn't it? And if it's true, then the, 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 the stakes rise. Because this is a creator, apparently. And I'm not a theologian, so track with me for a moment. I'm just a regular guy like so many of you who's, been in, who's encountered these ideas, who resisted them, who hated them. Listen, you know a book is going to be interesting if it's the most banned, the most burned, the most feared, and the most hated by te- despots and tyrants. <laughs> That's a book I want to read. Are you reading it? Do you know people have given their lives so you have a copy of this book? Do you know people have been burned at the stake so you could have a chance to read this? And do we take this for granted? Listen, do you think you're all spiritual and all that because you came to church? I can walk into a garage, but it doesn't make me a car. You're not, a, listen, churches should, are and should be in this particularly a welcoming place where you come and you feel that people really care about you. What you do in response to that is up to you. No one's going to force you to follow Jesus. Jesus never forced anyone to follow him. But he made the stakes clear to people. He made it clear that there's an ultimate destiny, that there's a distant horizon. It seems distant now. Do you remember me talking about, I talked about this yesterday, that the lifetime countdown clock, Sharper Image had it once and only once that I can remember. It wasn't very popular. After what, why? You entered information about your date of birth, your various, your health statistics, and all the things that would comprise an actuarial table to give you an estimate other accidental causes notwithstanding, of how long you will live. And you get up every day, and we look at most calendars like, hey, guess what? It's almost December, and you're going to buy another calendar for 2013. And what does that look like? Another horizon. You're just buying calendars like you're buying time. There's another calendar. Get another year. Guess what? It's another calendar out of your reservoir. Guess what? You're closer and closer and closer to your mortal finish and your destiny ultimately. The fact that we don't talk about that is a reflection of the kind of myopic distraction that we want to amuse ourselves to death with because we can't deal with reality. You talk about people wanting to talk about reality. They have nothing to do with reality. This is all a fantasy. We're living in this world of entertainment and distraction 
Social media, while it has the power to inform and give us extraordinary tools to navigate our daily life, I don't have to look far when I've got social media tools on my smartphone or my tablet device. I can find out where practically everything I need and lots of things I don't need are. And, right, and it knows where I am. And my friends who work for the government in the United States tell me the governments know where you are all the time now. And guess what? They're trying to figure out what to do next. As you move and change and progress and go places, they're, tr- <laughs> they're trying to figure out how to tax you for movement. I'm not kidding. There'll be devices in your automobiles. Well, they'll just tax you for, look, is that rational or irrational? Is that necessity or not? I'll leave that to another argument. But the point is, other people know where you are and what you're doing and are making a study of it. Do you know who you are, where you are, what you're doing, or where you're going? Have you got any kind of inner compass to tell you where you've been, where you are now, where you're going, where you want to go? Think about that for a minute. Are you wandering through life, or do you have a growing sense of purpose, direction, and destiny? Now, I'm going to speak to those of you that are of the family of faith, the body of Christ, the household of God, the Christian, the Christian church for a moment. What's the church? It's the ecclesia. It's the kirka. It's called out. What's, the church isn't just a building. It's us. We meet in a building, so we call it the church. You're the church. I'm the church. If you're a believer and you're really genuinely trying to seek Jesus and follow Jesus and walk with Jesus, you're the church. Take a look at the bricks and mortar around you. Nice-looking bricks and mortar, but, yeah, we're a living temple. We're built together to function together, to, to walk this out together, to learn together. We need each other. The church is not a place where you come because you want to be quietly independent of others and evaluate the merits of what the speaker is going to present to you today and determine if it has any applicability to your life. The point is you submit yourself in surrender, in the hope and faith and prayer, that in worshiping, imagine worship. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. We've got all kinds of gods. Our lives, as Augustine said, are like idol factories. This is an insult to my competing demands that I want to be the most important person in my universe. And one of the first things that confront me when I came to faith or even considering faith in Christ and following him was the idea that there is a God and I am not him. Kind of shocking at first, and then you realize, <laughs> wow, that's a cool idea. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> Listen, you're going to be so set free if you embrace and understand these ideas. Don't take it from me. Please, 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 please do your homework, do your research, test, study, consider. Argue amongst yourselves. I mean, get to a point where you're confident in this faith. This is not, by the way, a faith that is afraid of questions, that is afraid of inquiry, that is afraid of debate, that is afraid of truth. I have professors at leading universities and their assistants who've told me that one of the great debates in the sciences now is the truthfulness of the process of inquiry, the truthfulness of the scientific method. 
how it's being used and applied, and what kind of conclusions are being submitted to the public in general to say this is incontrovertible or this is the theory. There are a lot of theories in the world today, more than ever, because of the speed with which we can make inquiries, the speed with which we can compare ideas, the speed with which we can examine information. But how much of it is truth that you can stand on, that you can define yourself by, that you can know where you've come from, where you are today, and where you're going tomorrow, starting with the next step you take out of this pew and where you go out these doors and what you do with your life. And it has everything to do with your relationship to your creator. Manifest in this world, incarnationally, in Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now, if that isn't a peculiar and particular kind of insult to my self-importance that a carpenter from Nazareth who lived only 33 years and had 36 months to preach his message, train his disciples, die a death he didn't deserve to die because he was the only person who even made a claim to have lived in sinless submission to his creator, God, Father. The only one. I'm sorry, but the Gautama Buddha, Zoroaster, Confucius, who who do you add to the list? Who is so significant that you would even consider them on the list of the most extraordinarily significant and influential religious figures in human history? Can you add anybody to that list? Who compares to Jesus Christ? The simplicity, the humility, the awkward circumstances being betrayed by his own religious leaders and set up by the Romans, Roman government for a, a cruel and hideous means of torturous death. And who have done it, as he made clear to us, for you and 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 me, the one sinless Lamb of God dying because we were guilty. And he was willing to take upon himself the sins of the whole world, one soul at a time. Have you dealt with God? Because God is dealing with you today, now, here. And if you haven't dealt with God, if you haven't answered that question for yourself, am I right with God? Am I in right standing with God? Is it because it's something you've done? Do you think you're worthy? Well, I'm not as bad as that person or that person. What is your standard of comparison? Who can say that they are without fault, without blemish, without conflict, without injury, without having hurt someone or been hurt and not forgiven? The key to this is to receive forgiveness. Son of God came to seek and to save the lost. Have you been found? Are you right with God today? Are you right with Jesus Christ? Have you orally, have you specifically, have you clearly and vocally, explicitly and and implicitly made an act of surrender to God? Because this is the opportunity that he gives us. This is the one singular call that begins the journey. This is the one act of obedience that is followed by a long life of learning obedience.
Do you think it doesn't matter? The bad news is, if we turn away from God, you're on your own. And isn't that what we all wanted anyway? Don't you know better than other people what's good for you? Don't you know better than God how you want to live your life? Don't you need to be set free from rules and regulations, from structure and so much definition? Don't you need to just discover it yourself? Do you really need God? Do you really need God? I got up this morning, and one of the first thoughts that occurred to me was that I desperately need God. Not because I haven't made a commitment to Christ, asked Christ in my life. My life was very complicated by my own failures, fears, brokenness, turning to drugs, alcohol, so many other things that I thought would prop me up and reduce the pain that I was feeling. The brokenness I was feeling, the hurt I was feeling. I just didn't want to live in pain. Who wants to live in pain? Well, what's the difference between living in pain or a degree of pain and living in freedom? The difference is to actively seek and live in the healing presence of God. The freedom that comes from that is incalculable, incomparable. I haven't had any. You can only take someone's word for it. How do you put that on some kind of objective standard of measurement? How do you get free enough to know that you can live a life without guilt, without frustration, without fear? No matter what has happened to you in the past, you may have been hurt, abandoned, abused. I've heard stories And maybe you've lived and experienced stories that are beyond anything I've heard, but I've heard stories of the most hurtful kind, and so have you, perhaps. People live in a beautiful but broken world, and whether they are overwhelmed by the beauty or overwhelmed by the brokenness depends on the choices we make, whether we're going to live our lives with an open surrender to God or whether we're going to live on our own and make our own choices and be willful and independent of him. Now imagine what happens when you finally pass from this world. Lifetime countdown clock or not, that day comes probably unexpectedly for most of us. Or at the end of a long illness, and you leave this world, you leave consciousness. Is that it? What happens when you die? And for heaven's sake, it probably is the most consequential and defining moment in the distant or what we think is the distant horizon of our existence, and yet how much time have you spent really thinking seriously about it? Could somebody please introduce me to a serious thinking person? I'd love to meet one. Because most of the people in this world today, even amongst the Christian community, sadly, are so busy, we don't live lives of adequate meditation, reflection, and certainly Receiving what God has in his word to set us free. It's a dizzying pace today. The world is full of possibilities which are exciting. Full of opportunities which are unprecedented. But the question that we have to ask ourselves is, what direction am I going? What path am I on? Where are you headed? And how are you going to exercise the influence of that 
to set others free. Because ultimately, my friends, brothers and sisters, those of you who are in the church, awaken to your calling. Do you know your gifting? Do you know your calling? Do you know how you're connected to the body of Christ, the people around you, the people in this building, the people outside of this building? How are you connected? How are you going to use that influence to change other lives? Social media is one of the most powerful ways you can share your story. I talked to a social media expert, one of the people I deem one of the most authoritative and insightful in the world about this recently. I said, have you seen anybody brought, and this is a person of faith, have you seen anybody come to faith in Christ as a direct result of an encounter they had online through social media? He said, I don't personally, but I know people for whom the questions have been raised that led them to encounters that led to their transformation by faith in Christ. If even that is possible, then we owe it to ourselves, if you have devices like this, to think creatively of all the ways you can engage with other people. But ultimately, there's no encounter that's better than person to person, sharing your life in an act of service, gratitude, caring, humility, forgiving another person. When was the last time you sought forgiveness? When was the last time you thought carefully about the way you're living your life and said, God, show me the things I don't see where I'm injuring someone or I'm in a pattern right now that is ultimately unfulfilling and destructive and preventing me from realizing your complete purpose in my life? Do you care enough to ask those questions? Do you care enough to want to be transformed? Do you care enough to want to know who's influencing you and who you will influence in turn? That's the question. That's the great question mark. There was a power button up here earlier. I don't know where it is now. But if you look at your devices, on my computer and my phone, there's a signal strength button there. It reminds me in Wi-Fi of just how connected I am, depending on my attitude or position or where I am inside or outside a building, There's something in each one of us that is akin to that, a signal strength. And as it grows stronger, as you get closer to Christ, what you discover is he's been there all along, speaking to you all along, waiting to guide you all along. The power that will transform this church, this community, your life, your family, your neighborhood, this world is going to come when you and I, brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, begin to tune in to what the Holy Spirit is doing, submit to it, obey, walk in faith, and we will be change agents like we've never dreamt of before. That's what's going to happen in the world today, and there will be a stark and increasing division between the people that operate in that kind of faith consciousness because they're informed by the Word of God and have some basis of knowledge to know what the operating system looks like, and the rest is signal strength and responsiveness. I wish I had another hour because those were my preliminary remarks. (laughs) And I wish I could tell you about the seven years I just spent with my mother. Some of you know her story. After five strokes and three heart attacks and cardiac arrest and congestive heart failure, liver failure, kidney failure, intubation, ventilation, a do not resuscitate order, stage three cancer, a mastectomy, and surviving all that until the last months of her life where she died a natural death trusting in her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And what I learned as a caregiver, seeing the presence and power of God to heal, first of all, and then to take his own home, 
has been transformative in my life. My mother influenced me, and she made me want to live a better life, to be a better man, and to be more tuned into the Holy Spirit. I'll leave you with this challenge, that if you want to make a difference in your life, if you want to be an influencer for good and for redemptive change in the power of Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the dunamis, the dynamite power of the Holy Spirit, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Make certain you've looked at all of God's promises to walk in the power of the Spirit and then do it rejoicing, knowing that your influence will make a difference for time and eternity in Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.